Welcome to the Grace Point Assembly of God podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit gphixon.com. Now let's get into a powerful message for your life from God's Word. Pray for that missionary. Uh, They need your prayers as much as they need financial support. Amen? Because they're out on the front lines and they need us praying for them. And so this is to help you to remember to pray for our missionaries. All right? How many of you are ready to receive the word today? Okay. There's a few of you awake out there. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody was up and and awake. I know it's been, I'll tell you, I've I've been struggling with a cold. Uh, I left here on Wednesday night. I was driving home, and before I could get home, it was like my throat just closed up. I mean, it was that quick that it hit me. And uh, so I've been on some pain, you know, I mean, not pain medicine, but on uh, some allergy medicine, which makes my head foggy, so I can't remember whether I'm on pain medicine or what, you know, but anyway. Uh, but uh, I've been kind of resting the last couple of days trying to get over this thing, and you can tell it in my voice, it's a little bit deeper than it normally is today, but the Lord is able to help us, amen? And uh, we're going to get through this, and we're going to uh, go into this message today. Um, How many of you know that the number one, you know, having one is, is not very important today anymore? The individual, the one is not as important as it once was. Amen? Okay, you guys are real quiet. All right, I'm going to have to get you going here. You know, this number one has become very irrelevant in in our world. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you used a penny? Or when you saw it on the ground, you actually stopped to pick it up? You know? I can remember as a kid, man, I'd pick up a penny any time I saw one because, man, that meant a couple of pieces of bubble gum. That tells you how old I was, how old I am, all right? But a penny used to mean something. One used to mean something in our society, in our world, but today it seems like one really doesn't mean that much. But one is important. One is important. Uh... I think one of the best illustrations I can give you, uh, my grandson and I like to spend some time together. When he comes over to my house, we always have to watch the same movie. How many of you can relate to that? Grandkids, I don't know why it is, but they get stuck on one movie, and that's the only one we can watch. So we watch Bugs Life. That's the one he likes when he comes to Grandpa's house, okay? So we watch Bugs Life. Well... There's a scene in the, in the movie that I think is very important because what happens is, is when uh, the grasshoppers go and they, they eat the food that the ants collect for them every year, okay? And so the, the grasshoppers are the bullies that come and they get the, make them get the food for them and, and, and so they come every year and get this food. Well, one year, this one little guy, he, he was always messing up and he messed up and he knocked off the rock that had all the food on it and it all fell off into the, into the stream. And so when Hopper and the rest of the grasshopper show up, there's no food. So they're mad. So they come down and the, 
the one guy who messed up, he, he stands up and he says, you know what, I, 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 it was me, I did it. Because he was trying to save this one that little, little ant that was getting ready to get smashed, okay? So when he stands up, you know, Hopper, he says, all right. He said, well, listen, we'll, we'll do this. I'll be back before the last leaf falls, and I want twice as much as you normally would have had. And so he leaves. Well, this is the scene I'm wanting to get to. All these grasshoppers are now, they're out at this place, and they're kind of partying and having a good time, and they're, they're like, you know what, we really don't need to go back. We really don't need to go back and, and bother these ants. We got enough food here to last us, and we don't need to go back. But Hopper hears about this, and he comes in, and he says, Oh, so we don't need to go back, right? And they're like, Oh, yeah, no, we don't need to go back. And he said, Yeah, because, you know, there was, but there was that one ant that stood up to us, you know, and he says, Well, the guys go, But, but that was just one ant. What's one ant? He said, yeah, you're right. It's just like one ant. And he takes this thing and he throws it at this guy like a, a seed. And the guy goes, ah, see, that didn't hurt me. It's no big, no big deal. One ant. What is one ant? But then he takes and he pulls the stopper on this bottle that has all these seeds in it. And it comes and it rushes over all the people, all the, all the other grasshoppers. And they realize that, you know what, one ant may not make a difference, but when one ant is along with all the other ants, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because if one of those ants stands up to them, and then all the others realize, you know what, we can stand up too, the grasshoppers are in trouble because they're outnumbered. You see, one really doesn't matter, but matters when... There's a lot more involved, right? There, there is importance in one. Because if the one doesn't stand up, then none of the rest of them will. If there's not one, then the others won't do it. We saw this this week, actually, as many of you may have been watching the confirmation of our new Supreme Court justice. Many people think, well, I, I don't need to vote because I'm just one. you realize that it was one person who made the difference of whether he got voted in or not? Out of all of the, the, the discussion, all the things that went on, all the stuff that was happening, if that one person had not stood up and said, I am going to vote yes, then he would not have been confirmed. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying one way or the other, okay? I'm not getting political on it, Okay? I'm just saying that one matters. One matters. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. One matters. Because if one would have been able to stand up on the other side to make a difference, it would have made a difference in the other direction. Okay? You, you see what I'm saying? One matters. One matters. And when we're voting, it matters. And I want to encourage you, vote. If you've never registered to vote, you need to register and you need to vote. Because I believe that this time is going to be a very pivotal time of voting. And if you as the one don't make that choice to vote, things could go in a different direction than what you feel like they should go. 
And if you don't take the step up and say, I'm going to vote, then you can't complain about where it goes. Amen? Because one matters. But so many times in our society, we look at things and we think, well, one really doesn't matter. One really doesn't matter. I know even if you're, if you're a Star Trek fan, you can go back and, you know, the one saying that they always have on Star Trek is, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Right? In our society today, that's pretty much how it is. It's the mob rules. Right? It's the, the, the majority rules. It's whatever the majority wants. That's what we're going to do. That's the way it is in a democratic society. And that's the country that we live in. And we need to understand that. Whoever's in the majority, they're going to rule. But one matters. And that's what I want to get across today. Because Jesus looks at things totally different than what we do. We think that the majority should rule. We think that it's important what the majority wants. We think it's important that the majority understand and believe and have this and do that. But God says, you know what? I look at the one. I look at the individual. There is a contemporary Christian song out that is called So Will I by Hillsong United right now. Uh, I know it's one of my wife's favorite songs on the radio that she loves to hear. But there's the last line of that song, it, it reads this way. It says, you're the one who never leaves the one behind. You're the one who never leaves the one behind. And that's what I want to entitle my message today, is you're the one who never leaves the one behind. Society and everyone around you may think, well, you know, you're just one, you're not that important, but, but God looks and he sees the one. And he says, the one is important to me. Every individual is important to me. And he is the one who never leaves the one behind. So turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read through this chapter, and then I'm going to talk about the three different parables that are in this chapter. And, and look at the fact that Jesus was very uh, pointed in, in showing the, the religious leaders of the time that the one was important. So Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to today. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start off, and it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Now, now I want to stop right there. I want you to understand the, 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 the setting of where, where they're at. Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, he's, he's talking to the people, and it says that now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Who are the tax collectors and the sinners? The bad guys. Right? I mean, it was the, the worst of the worst in society were coming up and listening to him. That's not very often as, as a preacher or a pastor that you, you, know, you can draw that kind of a crowd. 
So I hear you're a preacher and like, oh man, I don't want to hear any of that stuff. But Jesus is speaking and all of a sudden all the tax collectors and all the sinners in the area are coming up and saying, hey, I, I want to hear what he has to say. Well, then in verse 2 it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So the religious people are going, what are these guys doing here? Right? Why are these sinners coming around? Doesn't Jesus know they're sinners? These are the tax collectors. These are the guys that are ripping us off all the time. Why is he letting them be here to hear this word? Hmm. It says, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus, understanding his crowd and understanding who was there, he has the religious group that are mad because the sinners are there. And the sinners are there because they're just hearing something they've never heard before. And they're just wanting to listen. But the religious people are just mad about it. So Jesus understands this and he begins to speak in parables. In verse 3 it says, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Wow, he kind of got in the face of those religious leaders, didn't he? <laughs> he said, you know, heaven's going to rejoice a whole lot more if one of these guys come in than if you do. Isn't that what he's saying? Hmm. In verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he's just, he's going at it, telling these religious guys where it's at, isn't he? Then in verse 11, it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living and when he had spent everything a severe famine across arose in that country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, you who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now there are three parables here that Jesus goes through and I think it's very important that we look at each one just very quickly in the terms of he is the one who never leaves the one behind in the first illustration the first parable Jesus starts off talking about the one lost sheep now another song that I really like right now is called reckless love how many of you know that song Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, to some, this psalm makes no sense, but to me, this parable brings the complete meaning to this psalm. And I hope that all of us know that God is not reckless. Amen? He's not reckless. He would never do stupid stuff like we do. Amen? He's not that way. But, but here's the thing. When I look at this parable in my humanity, okay, with my natural mind, I think how crazy is that? that you would leave 99 sheep unattended and go after one. Right? I mean, I know he puts them out in the open country and it says that he leaves them out in the open country and he goes after the one, but he's leaving them unattended. What if a wolf came? What if a pack of wolves came? What if there was... Something where one of them decided, okay, we're going to go run off a cliff and all the other ones follow them. 
I mean, think about it. He's leaving the 99 out there by themselves. And if you've ever dealt with sheep, here's the one thing you need to know about sheep if you don't know. They're stupid. They just follow behind anybody and everything. They just, they, they, whatever the others are doing, okay, let's go. You know, I mean, that's, that's how they work. They don't really have a mind of their own most of the time. That how this one got lost, I don't know. He must have just, you know, been daydreaming for a minute and wasn't following the crowd. Because most of the time, they're just mindlessly following after whoever's in ahead of them. And they're, that's how sheep are. So they could, they could really get into a lot of trouble out here all by themselves. But Jesus says the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And that's how God is with us. In my natural mind, that seems reckless. And that's why I understand this song, because in my natural mind, that is a reckless thing to do, to leave the 99. No, you want to protect the 99 and let that one deal with whatever he's... He deserves what he gets. He took off on his own. Right? I mean, in my natural mind, that's how I think. But Jesus thinks differently. He thinks about the one. He thinks about every individual and he looks at them and he says, you know what? I don't care what happens to the 99 right now. I've got them saved. I've got them in church. I've got them doing what they're supposed to do. I'm going to go after this one. I'm going to go after this one who is a sinner who's lost and is hurting and doesn't know where to go. I'm going to go after that one. That's what Jesus does. And in our minds it seems reckless because we're about the crowd. We're about the majority. So I'm so thankful that the love of God seeks, seems reckless. Because that means he cares about me. And even more than the billions of other souls upon this planet, he thinks about me. And he thinks about you. And see, that's what's so amazing about our God is that he can think about each one of us individually and not as the mass. we can know that, you know, there was no real danger to the 99 because my God can protect the 99 while he's searching for the one. Amen? That's how big my God is. He's able to do that. But he is thinking about the one. He likes to go after that one. And you know, this song talks about how he's willing to knock down every wall and, and just, he does everything he has to to get to us. Now, I'm, I'm a deer hunter, and I like to hunt deer. And one of the things that you do is, uh, as a deer hunter is sometimes you have to go and traipse after one of those deer that maybe you've shot. Because sometimes they don't just fall down. They take off running. And you have to go after it. Now, as a deer hunter, I, I don't want to lose my prey. Okay? How many of you may go, why, why are you talking about this? I hate deer hunting. 
Can't believe you do that to an animal. Hey, they eat really good. Okay? You eat cows, they have to kill them. All right, I'm just saying. It's, it's just food. All right, folks? And I, when I shoot one, I don't, want it, I don't want it to go out there somewhere and die and me not find it. I want to go after it. Now, there have been some times when I've shot one and it's almost dark, and that's the worst time to do it. I've learned over the years, if I don't really, really want that deer, I don't shoot it in the evening because that means you're looking for it in the dark. And they don't like to be found. When they go and run and hide, they're going to find the thickest bush, the biggest bunch of briars that they can find and get down in it and hide. And so you're in the dark, walking through the woods, branches hitting you in the face, and you're trying to look for the trail, and you're, you're trying to find this deer, but you're pursuing after it. I've had to do this several times, not my deer as much as some other guys I hunt with. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But you're, you're just, you're in the dark and you're going through all these briars and pulling things and got, trying to find this deer and you're walking and, 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 you know, that's how I see God coming after us. Is that it doesn't matter what's in his way. It doesn't matter that it's dark. It doesn't matter that, that, you know, there's tree branches and briars and all this stuff that we have put in his way to keep him from getting to us. He's going to pursue and get to us no matter what it takes. Wow. That's my God. He cares about the one. He cares about the one. Then it says, verse 5, he says, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Those other guys, they didn't even know he was lost. But he's calling them together and saying, Hey, let's have a party, let's rejoice, rejoice with me. I found my sheep. You know, of course, like everybody else, they're like, oh, a party, all right, let's go. Is there food? <laughs> all right, you know. They're ready to rejoice with him, and, and they're excited with him because he's found the sheep. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Wow. God looks for the one. He looks for the one. He, he wants you. He's pursuing you. Trust me, he is. Now the second parable that's in this passage of scripture is the lady who lost a coin. Now, she had ten coins, but lost one. Then it says she swept and cleaned the house until she found it. I don't know if there is anything in this world more determined than a woman who has lost something of value to them and can't find it. 
Amen. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't know. You know, in our house, that means that everything else stops, and everybody has to begin looking. Amen. If Mama loses something, it's all our fault, <laughs> and it's all our problem. It's our problem to find what she has lost. Amen? Okay, it may not be in your house, but it is in ours. So, I, I think it is the same in this parable because Jesus says she lights a lamp and begins cleaning and doing everything she can to find it. Now, I want you to think about this. In the time that they lived in, most of them lived in like one-room houses. Right? So that means that it's about midnight. Mama realizes there's a coin gone. What does she do? She does what my wife would do. Turns on every light in the house. Wakes up everybody in the house and says, we got to find this coin. Whips out the vacuum cleaner, kicks it on, vacuuming around, dusting. Everybody's trying to look and trying to find this coin in the house. Amen? You get the picture? Nobody's sleeping until this coin is found. Now, now remember that this parable was speaking to the religious people who, who didn't like those sinners coming and hanging around Jesus. Right? So I believe Jesus was telling them that he is like that lady when it comes to finding those who are lost. He will turn on the brightest light, look in every nook and cranny, and disturb whomever he has to in order to find the one lost soul. He doesn't care if he messes up the religious people. He doesn't care if you're upset because the sinners are there. He's like, I don't care. I'm looking for the one. There's one in this crowd. I know them. I see them. I know that God has a plan for their life, and they're ready to receive today. That's what Jesus is all about. He's after the one. He doesn't care that it messes up everybody else's theology or whatever it is. Their religiosity is more of what it is. For he is the one who never leaves the one behind. He's, he's willing to upset whoever he has to, to get to you, to get to the one, to make you realize he loves you. He desires you. He wants you more than anything else in this world. Then we come to the third parable. And this third parable, I think, is probably one that is most well known to just about everybody. Whether you've been in church or whether you haven't, you've probably heard references to it at some point in your life. The prodigal son. The prodigal son. Now, how many of us can relate to the prodigal son? So let me kind of explain this story that 
many of you probably have heard before, but, but I want to make sure that we get how great our Heavenly Father really is. The son was raised in a good home. How many of you can say amen? Probably had great values and went to church every week. His father did everything he could in his human role as a father to bring him up, to bring up his son with good moral values, knowing what is right and what is wrong. How many of you know no father is perfect here on this earth? They're going to do their best. But I believe that this father was one that did his very best to raise his son in the way that he should go. But there came a day when the boy went to his father and said, I'm tired of living under your rules and regulations. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've heard it said to you. But I know most teenagers, young adults, come to that place most of the time in their life where they're tired of mom and dad telling them what to do and they think they know better and they're going to go do what they want to do. Not getting a lot of amens there. All right. Maybe more. Oh, me. Yes, that was me. He says, all you do is try to control me and never let me have fun. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Mm. So he says, give me my inheritance now so that I can go and enjoy life. And experience all the fun things that you would never let me do while I was living in your house. Right? Isn't that what it says? I mean, that's what the story is talking about. He says, give me everything you've got right now. You know, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait until you die. I I want everything that's mine now. Give me all the money that you're going to give me when you die. And I want it because I want to go and enjoy life. Well, being the good father that he was, he knew he couldn't stop him, no matter how hard he tried or how much he wanted to. So he gives him his inheritance. Then he leaves the house and goes wild, spending all his money on every pleasure he could think of until one day when the money ran out. How many of you know... One day the money all runs out. It doesn't matter whether you started with a little or a lot. It runs out really quick when you're spending it on the pleasures of this life. If you commit yourself to wild living, that lifestyle, eventually it's all going to come to a crashing halt. Maybe sooner, maybe later, but it will end with a brick wall somewhere in your life. It will. Well, this kid thought, well, my dad taught me how to work hard, so I'll just go get a job. And I'll I'll still be able to enjoy this lifestyle, but but I'll work and then I'll be able to enjoy my evenings. So he goes and he starts working, but the only job that he could get, because see, he went to a far distant land. He went somewhere where nobody knew him. 
He went to a place that was not his people. I know this because he's working in a pig pen. And the Jewish people did not work in pig pens because they didn't eat pork. So he was in a place where all he could get was a job feeding the pigs. Now, I grew up around a farm, and I know what it is to go out and what they call slop the pigs. You guys know what that means? You take everything that's left over from the meal, and you put it in a big pot, and you take it out, and you pour it out in front of the pigs, and they eat it all up. It's the slop. It's whatever's left over, all the junk, all the leftovers put into a pot together. Well, this guy... He became so broke and messed up that he began looking at the pig's slop and wishing he could eat it. The pods, it says the pods. That means the, the husk on the outside of the peas is what they're feeding the pigs. And he's looking at it going, man, I wish I could have some of those. That's how desperate he became. Things were bad. There's a phrase here that, that is so important for us to grasp and to understand. It says, but then he came to himself. You know, as prodigals, many times we're in this place where we're, we're just not even thinking straight. We just don't think about anything but the next pleasure. The next thing that we need to get to. The next party that we're going to go to. The next thing that we want for ourselves. We can't think of anything else, but there comes a place when we hit that brick wall that all of a sudden we like come to ourselves and we go, what in the world am I doing? Trust me, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. There's that place where we go, what am I doing? I've had to look at myself and go, you idiot, what were you thinking? Why are you here? So this kid finally gains a little humility in his life. And he says, you know what? The slaves, the servants in my father's house have it better than I do right now. Maybe, maybe if I go back, Dad will at least let me become a servant in his house and, and I will be living better than I am now. So he packs up and he heads for home. And the Bible says that while he was still a long way off, his father sees him and comes running to greet him. Now, if you're that prodigal son and you're on your way home and all of a sudden dad starts running out towards you, you might be thinking, oh, oh, Lord. I hope he doesn't have that switch in his hand. Uh, I, I, oh, man, I'm going to get the worst lecture I've ever had in my life. Oh, I, I just hope he, oh, man. Oh, I don't know whether I even want to stand here or not. Because when you see Dad running at you, you don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. Right? Because you know you've messed up. Man, I know as a son, when I, when I got to a certain age, I, I, when I would mess up, I, I, 
I loved my dad so much and respected him so much. I didn't want to hurt, his, hurt him or him to be upset with me. I would go to him and say, Dad, I messed up. You know what he'd do? He'd still whip me. Because he loved me. But you know, you never know what's going to happen. Dad's running out there, you know, he's messed up big time this time. I mean, it's, it's major. And the dad comes running to him. But instead of getting that lecture or that, or that whooping that he thought he might get, his dad embraces him and throws his arms around him and gives him the biggest hug that he's ever had in his life. Then, he, then he, he, he backs up and he, he's trying to explain to his dad, 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 you know I've done wrong and, I, I, and I'm not coming and asking you to take me back in as your son. I, I just want to be a servant. I, I know I don't deserve to come back, but, but would you just let me work here? But the dad just ignores him. He just ignores him. And he calls for his servants and he says, go, go get the best robe that you've got in the house. Go get the best thing that you can put on him to, to clothe him. He's in rags. Get, get something to clothe him right now. He says, and, and while you're there, get the ring. I get one of my rings to put on his hand and get some shoes to put on his feet. I, I want him clothed. I want him to have that ring of authority back on his hand. I want everybody to know this is my son. Amen? That's what that ring meant. The ring meant that you were, you were in authority in that household. That you were a son. That you weren't a servant. You were a son. This is where I'm sure the religious people that he was telling the story to became completely confused. What are you doing? What, what are you saying? We don't even get this. Now, the, the, Jesus, we can kind of understand the sheep thing that you were talking about. And we kind of get the coin thing you were talking about because, because they were both still of value. This kid had wasted every dime he was given and had turned his back on his father. He had no value anymore. What are you saying? They were looking at him like he's crazy. What are you talking about? But Jesus is explaining how the heavenly father is to each and every one of us. He is the one who never leaves the one behind. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. That was his mission. That's why he came to this earth. He didn't come to find those who had already been found. He came to find those who were lost. He came to embrace those who had, who had destroyed their lives through their own selfishness and pleasures of this life. He came to give them an embrace and say, I love you. I want you. You are of value to me. 
You are my son. And I just want you back in my house. Come and be with me. When you look at the end of this story, you see the brother who was the one who had stayed and was the good son. He had stayed the whole time. He had worked for his dad. He had done all these things. Then he gets jealous. I believe this is the picture of the religious people, those who had already been saved, and they're looking, why, God, why are you giving such blessing to these? They're sinners. What about me? I've served you all my life. I've been in church. I pay my tithes. I do all these things. Why aren't you just taking care of me and killing the fatted calf for me? So many times as religious people, we get to a point where we feel like we deserve something. But we need to understand that we were once that prodigal son. We were once that lost sheep. We were once that lost coin. And we don't deserve anything but the love of a father who loves us and cares for us and wants us and desires us. And so when one other lost sheep or lost coin or prodigal son comes into the kingdom, we should rejoice. Amen. God loves the one. He's not looking for the masses. He's not looking and saying, I, I'm going to show favor on this mega church over here because they have so many. They're doing something right. But I'm going to forget about the little church over here. It's not, God doesn't look in those terms. That's man's terms. God looks at every individual and says, I want you. I desire you. I want to have a relationship with you. And he wants each one of us to come. Come to him. Because he is seeking after us right now. And if you've never made that commitment to follow after him, today is your day. Today is your day to say, here I am, God. Here I am. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not asking you to be something that you're not. He's not asking you to change everything before you come. He just says, come, let me find you. Let me be found by you. Because he desires each one of us. He is that one who never leaves the one behind. That's who he is. And so today, I want you to understand that he wants you. No matter what, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're facing today, what you may have to go through tomorrow, he says, I want you to be in relationship with me because you are of value to me. Maybe not to anybody else. Maybe everybody else has given up on you. Every family member have turned their back on you and don't want to have anything to do with you. All your friends have left you. Everything may be lost. But Jesus is looking for you because you're of value to him. He says, I want to be your friend today. Let's all stand as we close the service today. I'm going to have them turn on some music here in just a minute. But I just want to ask, as everybody bows their heads, close their eyes for just a few moments. I just want to ask today, is there anyone here that has that has never made that 
commitment of saying, you know what, God, I give up. I'm, I'm going to let you find me here today at this moment, right now. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of, of, of running. I'm tired of, of just being that one that's, that's left behind, that's lost, that's, that's, that's doing his own thing. I'm tired of that. I just want to be found by you today. And I want to be in relationship with you because I realize after this message that you care about me and you desire me. If that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hand because I want to pray with you in just a moment. I want to pray with you that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he would come in and be in relationship with you today. If that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I just want you to to respond to what he's doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life today. Hallelujah. Jeff, you go ahead and start that song just very softly right now. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll tune in next week for another great sermon from Grace Point Assembly of God.